0: Bucks in the basement. Belly on up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. Uh, We got 30 minutes ahead of you. Uh, What do you want to dive in there first? Because I I think that Ben Charrington's expectations and what he was talking about warrants the leadoff to this show. I know it's not in your ticker for those that are watching the video version of this. But I I think whenever the general manager starts to talk to you about what he wants in the offseason, what he expects for the next season, you sit up and you listen because what I've been waiting for is we're going to go and win. We're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to add to this team through trade, through free agency. Now is the time. We're not rebuilding anymore. We are now finishing off the product and going out and making the product a playoff ready product that eventually, hopefully, will be a championship ready product. Correct?
1: This is what we've been waiting for, Chris. This has been. The long-awaited struggle that we knew that was ahead of us when Ben Charrington took over in November of 2019. It may have been set back a little bit by the pandemic year. I mean, that had to have somewhat of an effect. I know that he traded Starling Marte right away, but I have a feeling that he was hoping that one of like Josh Bell or or Joe Musgrove would come out and have a strong first half of the season. Well, there's not too much you can do, even if a guy has a strong, what was it, month? I mean, how much are you realistically going to get for him? Nobody had a good year. So, I mean, everybody's saying year four, but even if this is year, you know, 3.0 or 3.1 and, you know, we're moving into whatever, to me, it's all about the years. We were thinking to ourselves ahead of time, based on the timeline of the players he was acquiring uh, through draft and through trade their development throughout the system and and even some of them have taken you know what was an accelerated path i mean Andy Rodriguez started last year in in high a and made it the whole way up to triple a and was in triple a this year that's an accelerated path Henry Davis had like the the fewest amount of at bats from any player uh, who was like a, a one1 one since like 1970. So it's it's even been accelerated. and with like additions and of course, I mean, we're gonna get to it, but you know signing Hayes and Reynolds as as I don't know if it would be stars, but at least we've always talked about solid baseball players if they play the entire season or even most of the season if you're looking at the numbers this year it kind of all lined up for if there was going to be a time to put, you know, draw the line in the sand, put your foot down, whatever great, you know, saying you want to use. It was going to be this off season and moving into 2024. And with 62 wins last year at 70 wins this year, him saying he's setting the expectation of what a playoff team would be to be a proxy, he'd want to be like 84 wins or more and saying that the goal next year is kind of the playoffs. That's where, I mean, if it does, it's not saying it's going to happen, but at least we're seeing the goal that I think we kind of like always knew was there. We didn't build up, you know, this year we said, Oh, they went out and got Carlos Santana. That was Know, a little bit better of a pickup you know than they had done previously they went and got Andrew McCutcheon even though Andrew has to come they still had to sign the contract and they got Rich Hill who was going to eat innings and you know you were hoping he had you know at least a average year for him which he kind of did for us I mean we looked at it and and uh Carlos Santana had like his best year since 2019. Andrew McCutcheon had his best year since the same time. So we've had a lot of good stuff happen in there, but we're also starting to see some of the players that Charrington acquired in like a Leo Vapagaro, you know, Henry Davis, unfortunately injured, but we've seen him, we've seen Nick Gonzalez, we've seen Quinn Priester, Jack Sawinski. I mean, the the names go on and on. Uh, Andy Rodriguez behind the plate now. So I think that it's kind of like, you know, Ben Sherrington kind of maybe had like a little bit of a guideline, but this looked like this would be the year where, you know, this, this needs to be the expectation. And now that he's saying this stuff, it it kind of like confirms what I think the, I don't want to say the educated fan, cause I don't want to make it seem like I'm like, you know, well, I've got my tea and my crumpets and I'm, I'm like better than you peons. No, I'm a dude that sits in my basement, but I still saw the writing on the wall that unless they were going to go out and just like throw money at it. And you're not even sure that's going to work. Cause look at the Padres and the Mets, you, you are going to have to follow this path. And the earliest they were going to be able to do this was 2024.
0: Well, we always said 24. Yeah. And that was the thing. We were saying 24 back in, in the middle of the 19 and 20 seasons. I kept trying to tell people that. They didn't want to listen because they're like, no, no, no. We're going to get better quicker. And I was like, this is going to take a while if you do it right. And, and, it, and you know what? It, it has been done right, I think, to this point. There's still a lot more work to do. I mean, he's sitting around talking about the idea of making the playoffs at what, around 85 wins? Is that what 80, he's saying?
1: 84, over 84. Okay, 84 wins. Yeah. Okay,
0: so here's the thing. Let's just do some quick math. The Pirates are 70 and 80 right now. They've gone 500 over their last 10 games. They have 12 games left to go. Let's say they go 500 the rest of the way because that's the pace that they're currently on. So they go 500 the rest of the way, and they're going to finish with 76 wins. At 76 wins, you are then eight wins behind what Ben Charrington believes you need to have to make it into the postseason. So let's do math on that. Add eight wins right now to where they are. Instead of being 70 and 80, make them 78 and 72. They're where the Cubs are right now in the last slot tied with Cincinnati for the last spot in the wild card with 12 games to go. So that is absolute fringe get into the postseason. That's what that that is. Now, on the other hand, it's a reasonable number. He gave a reasonable number that's squeaking into the postseason. That's a puncher's chance of making the postseason is that amount of wins. I would imagine that the last wildcard team will come in right around there. Now it's attainable because again, if they win 76 and they only need to increase their win total by eight, you should be able to go do that in free agency without a problem. You had a payroll that, I mean, this payroll is super low. What, What did I have it on spot tracks? I'm sorry. I had it sitting here right in front of me. This team had a $68 million payroll, according to Spot Tracks this year. They're, they're, they're kicking off next year with only 20.5 guaranteed. And the rest of it is going to get added in with arbitration and stuff. You have plenty of room. And your cheap owner better stop being cheap now. That needs to go up. You need to take what you paid this year and add $30 million minimum to your to what you're you're spending. Minimum. If you do that you will not only probably get those extra eight wins to be in that, in that last spot, you should surpass it when you see guys mature and get better, when you see O'Neal Cruz come back healthy and be able to contribute to this team, when you add to the pitching rotation And now all of a sudden everybody gets better because you add in, you slot in somebody who is a true number one, number two, at the top of a rotation in free agency, everybody bumps down a spot. It makes everybody else more valuable. Of course you can get to that level. You have to spend to get there, right? You have to continue your player development. You have to make trades. You're going to have to break a few eggs. There's a few prospects. I know you love prospects. There's a few of them that may be in another place as you're trying to round out this team. But yes, you are in the position. I am confident looking at the numbers and listening to Ben Charrington and understanding, and I really hope Bob Nutting understands it, understanding that less than $70 million on your Major League Baseball team is not enough. And it was excusable when you were in a build. When you wanted to lose to get high draft picks, when you didn't have a chance to make it to the postseason, it was excusable. But it is not excusable anymore. Ben Charrington's 100% right. This team has every opportunity next year to be a playoff team and get into the postseason and truly contend to go and do something big. And in reality, when I sit there and I look at just what's in the division, Milwaukee has the division at 84 wins right now, six more than where the Cubs are where we're saying that's where the Pirates would be at this point next year if they just improved by the eight games that Charrington is probably talking about. Well, if, if only you could you could put together a team that could get those other six games and get your division, too, to assure yourself in there. And you should have no problem doing that if you spend your money wisely and if you continue to press forward with the idea of we have to operate within the constraints of our owner, which sucks, but we have to. But then within those constraints, that means that you need to move pieces you need to acquire the right guys. Your pro scouting has to be really good when you're trying to figure out who you're bringing in there. You've got you to create some chemistry, and you got to go. I'm sorry. They don't make the playoffs next year. You're not getting any forgiveness from, from Bucks in the basement because it's all right there in front of you. And, and it'll either be nutting's fault for not spending, and I'm not even asking for $100 million. Give me a break. $100 million for a baseball team? If you can't spend $100 billion on your payroll, why are you owning a baseball team? And why does Major League Baseball even let you sit around? So no, I, I expect a payroll increase. That is not a crazy number. You can go out and you can add to this team. You can go out and you can make trades of your competent general manager. You can, you can craft this team and mold this team now into what you need to make it. And then Derek Shelton has to go out and manage it correctly. Okay? There's no more we're building anymore. This should be a playoff team in 24. And I believe it can be one if everybody does what they're supposed to do correctly.
1: Yeah. And you like saying even like the $30 million, I mean, just, just look at the breakdown of, of what was added this year. And this would not even include at at this point in time, you know, Reynolds extension. I mean, people would talk about like, you know, Reynolds extension, even though this year was kind of captured into like the overall number, um, the he actually he got pretty much this year, like it was the 6.75 6. uh that that he would have been, you know, getting anyway off of that two-year deal or the six point five. May, I think maybe the two point five, the other part of that might be like a, a signing bonus that's written into it or something. But I mean, even if you look at that, I mean you give eight to, to Carlos Santana, five to Andrew McCutcheon, eight to to Rich Hill, you give, you know, a few million to, to Vince Velasquez, you give five million to Austin Hedges. I mean, G-Man Choi, you took that on, it wasn't a free agent, um, but you traded for somebody that you knew was going to be an arbitration and was going to be making around like $4 million. So, I mean, you, you do the quick math there and it's like, we talked about this before is that, you know, maybe these signings, I mean, they turned out to be, you know, you know, pretty good signings for the Pirates, not all of them, but I mean, in the majority, I think turned out to be good signings for the Pirates or good acquisitions that it was a way to start to open that payroll just a little bit that it wasn't going to be like this okay we're going to you know go out and do the normal thing this off season and give you know 2 million here 1 million here 2 million here and then you know the following year bump up you know we're going to spend like 50 million that year where we spent like 10 million the year before it was going to possibly be a gradual bump up
0: but look at the flexibility you have you can do a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Brian Hayes is owed eight. I'm sorry, he's owed seven million dollars in 24. And Brian Reynolds is owed ten point two five. After that, the only other person that's currently got a payroll number assigned to them is Jarlin Garcia, relief pitcher with a three point two five million dollar club option.
1: And he hasn't even held a baseball yet this year for some right. He has some kind of so interest- you
0: could decl- you could decline the option and actually owe less than twenty million dollars right now because you may make that decision. You have Keller, Brubaker, Andelar, and David Bednar in arbitration. You have everybody else in pre arb. I'm sorry, it looks like uh, Ryan Barucky is also in arbitration. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, seriously, that's it. Those are your arb numbers. Even if they get increases, we're talking what? Keller probably goes from 2.4 million to get up to he might get up to eight. He might get up to seven in its Arab two year. Okay. Brubaker only made 2.27. I don't know how he gets a massive increase based off of what he was to you last year. Okay. I mean, none of these guys are gonna be breaking the bank. You got a couple of unrestricted free agents. You're gonna sit around. I mean, just to get back to the payroll that you had this year. At just a hair under $70 million, you've got probably $45 million at least, maybe $50 million to spend out of the gate. And if you increase that to, to where it should be, you could have 70 to $80 million in payroll room and still be a cheap-ass team that has a payroll just under $100 million. And, and you're t- you, can, you can do that. I guarantee you, you're not only going to make up those eight games that we're talking about to get them into that last wild card spot. You're, you could win a division. And you could really put a, a really good team together. And you can go out and you can grab yourself some veterans and some, some higher-level guys and sign them the longer-term deals instead of these one-year prove-it deals because you just wanted to flip them at the trade deadline. These are going to be very different acquisitions this year. And so this is what's available. If it's done properly, I mean, I have to believe that's the plan. Because otherwise, what was this all for? So I have to believe that's the plan, that we're going to see a very different way that the money is being spent this year. And if it is spent differently, and there is an incremental increase, because you are trying to make the postseason, this team is a playoff team next year. And I think Pirates fans should get excited. Right? But again, all eyes on Ben, all eyes on Bob. Because if it's not done properly in the front office or the or the old man doesn't give you give the money, then we've got an issue. All right. But I, I would have to believe with that amount of payroll flexibility, you're going to be fine.
1: see me out and about in pittsburgh you will always recognize me and not just because of the white beard but also because of the why that is always on top of my head the hat i always wear the Yins brand proud partners with bucks in the basement three dynasties one brand Yins. finally one brand to rep all black and gold follow at shop Yins for new merch drops and giveaways order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold made for Yins by a Yinzer.
0: What is all this yelling? People are all like questioning like the Brian Reynolds like contract. I mean, you paid him seven million this year, you're paying him ten point two five zero. You know, one war is worth about eight million to eight point five, depending on what you look up. Yeah, just being one win above replacement, okay? You paid him less money than one win above replacement is what you did. You did not waste your money signing Brian Reynolds to that extension. When you look at the years that he's had, he needs to be worth this is hysterical. if he's worth a win and a half above replacement, you got value for him. And if he's worth more than that every year, you you robbed him. <laughs> 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 you robbed him blind if he's worth more than that, right? Yeah. If he's a 3 war player, you robbed him blind in that extension. So please stop talking about the contract.
1: Yeah, and there's two things I'm thinking of, Chris. While, while you were talking about that, because that was something that I had, like, written down and researched before we got on here. But as you were talking, I was thinking about when we had David Sampson on previously. Like, it was probably about a year and a half ago at this point. But it was him saying that the goal, like, was to get – like the most wins out of people who like had like minimal contracts, so like a Jack Sewinsky, where people would be like, "Oh man, Jack Sewinsky, he strikes out too much," and I'd be like, "Well, he's worth around like two WAR, depending on what site you look at. So he's actually worth between like sixteen and uh, whatever it would be. He's maybe eighteen, you know, million dollars somewhere around in that range, say, and you're paying him over these next you know to two years of that." you're paying him like, you know, $1.5 million.
0: Right. If you look at what Major League Baseball pays their players in 2020, it was 8 million. We'll go with the most conservative number. Let's just go with a round number. The most conservative number was $8 million is how much a win above replacement was. According to baseball reference, Brian Reynolds has 2.6 wins above replacement so far in 2023. I'll round it down from 2.6 to 2.5 just to make the math easy for everybody double the 8 million to 16 and add another 4. He's a 20 million dollar player that you only paid 7 to this year. That's the going rate. I know that that bothers people because you've been you've been conditioned being a Pirates fan because of the low payrolls that that's an insane number. You're never going to make it. I'm never going to make it. That's crazy money. That doesn't make any sense. But in the economy that is Major League Baseball, you got Brian Reynolds this year. For thirteen million dollars less than what he was worth, and that's what you have to understand when you look at the Reynolds contract.
1: And it's kind of some of the same narrative, Chris, that you know we had heard last year with Cabrian Hayes, because I mean, looking back at Hayes' numbers last year, uh, Hayes was a it was four point three uh, B WAR, and I think it was like two point nine F WAR is what he was, you know, and people were saying, you know, that's that's not enough. It it has to be more than that. And we were almost, I think in some ways, conditioned to that because of like the Andrew McCutcheon contract. Andrew McCutcheon took like a an absolute discount that probably cost him, you know, millions of dollars later on at the time. And he was performing like a an MVP caliber player which an mvp caliber player is somebody that you're getting like six seven eight nine ten war from so it was almost like if we weren't ripping cabrian hayes off the most that we could which we're already ripping him off
0: oh you're ripping him off right now i mean he right now looking at the 3.7 b war that he has 3.7 wins above replacement that he was worth this year a lot of that is because of defense OK, he's worth about twenty eight to twenty nine million dollars. You paid him ten. And next year, you only pay him seven to come back when he should improve as he continues to mature. Think co- about the pirates have to do that, right? Because the owner's cheap. Yeah. They can't be the Yankees. They can't be the Dodgers. They can't actually go and pay a thirty million dollar guy, thirty million dollars. Right. So that's what makes the deal so good, because you're going to have a payroll that's about a third of the biggest payrolls in baseball. So you've got to find players at a third of what their actual cost is. And that's what you've done here with these two guys. The only two guys, by the way, that again, are under a contract other than arbitration, a club option, or pre-arbitration going in the next year. So what that tells me is that you've spent your money wisely understanding your owner, understanding value, and understanding at best you're probably going to be a third of what the Dodgers can spend And you've got to still find the players like you're going to spend $300 million.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, that's where it kind of simplifies down to. And like I said, just finding these, these wins from, from players, like say, you know, a Connor Joe who, you know, it, depending on what site you look at, I mean, let's just estimate he was, I've I've seen him as high as like 1.7 war, but I've seen him, you know, down to like 1.3 war. Well, once again, that's a guy that's coming in at the league minimum this year. So, I mean, <laughs> you got, let's just say it's, let's say it's even one war that that's $8 million and you paid him less than a million dollars on the season. And I know that it's a little bit higher than that. So like it, you've basically made money on that. And, and I think that we've had this conversation before Chris, and at least I give the analogy of just like, that he has these post-it notes in each position and doesn't even have a name written by it. It's like the amount of war that he needs to get from each of these positions to be in a place to get to, you know, what their estimations are, or, or what their goals may be. And if the player overachieves that, he's just like, huh, when, you know what I mean? Like he's not looking at like Andrew McCutcheon and thinking, Oh man, we paid him $5 million and He's you know out for the rest of the season. It's like no, we got over a win from him. We 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 paid him three million dollars less than we had to. Right. That's I I feel like that's the way that his brain operates.
0: Well, that's how you have to you have to operate that way. We we've talked about you got to be the rays. You got to be the, you got to be Billy Bean's A's when he was trying to figure out Moneyball. Right. You got to you got to be those guys when you're a small market team with with no payroll. And we we've said that that's what Ben Charrington had to be. And so he's doing that. It may not be flashy. You know, you're not going to go out after Otani in the offseason. But, it, it's, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's working. You understand? It's working. You're going to have a playoff team this year. I, I'm convinced of it. I mean, every time I go over the numbers, every time I try to justify their moves, every time I try to figure out what they're doing with their payroll, every time I do it, it comes back that he is spending his money very well. And I want to criticize a front office when you lose. It's easy to criticize a front office when you lose. I don't know Ben Charrington. I've never met him. We'll probably never talk, okay? It'd be easy to sit there and say, oh, he's screwing this up. But in reality, when I sit there and I look at the the balance sheet, when I look at the wins that were increased this year, when I look at the goal for next year, when I look at what the flexibility is of your payroll, when I look at the guys that you're paying and how you're literally underpaying them compared to the market value of them, I, it's very hard for me to say that it's going wrong there in the front office. I see very good player identification by the scouts. I see very sound contracts being signed. I, I see a structure over the last couple of years that gave you as many pieces to either trade or develop or use on your major league roster or wherever you were going to go. You see all of that gathered over the last couple of years and the flexibility now to go play like fantasy baseball, make your trades. Sign your players, build your team, go win. And he may not even spend, like if nothing's if, if like, look, we're never going to be over a $100 million club. He may only spend 80, knowing that he may need to pick up a contract at the deadline in a trade where he's going to bring over a big name player that's getting paid 15 to $18 million that year. And he's got to pick up the contract. He may have to leave that. In there just in case, so we can go get that big move at the trade deadline. If he knows what his limit is, he may need to leave wiggle room to be able to acquire a player if he's like, now's the time. He may sit there and say, okay, well, uh, Nutting says the most it'll ever be is 120 million, so I'm only going to go to 100. And then when I get to my 100, then I'm going to sit there and say, okay, fine. Uh, after we play, I will identify what we were missing that made us lose out in the first or second round of the postseason. So now I know what I got to fix, and I've got that money to go do it. OK, I got to be able to extend guys. Eventually, these guys are going to come off our retration. You know, it's a game of trying to keep your finances intact and then bring in the most talent for the least amount of money so far. So good, man. I mean, like it's hard to criticize the guy. It's easier to criticize the owner. It's hard to criticize the GM right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, people's I guess they're they're. I don't know if it would be counter argument to that would probably be, well, then are you happy with like 70 wins, 70 and 80? Well, no, like I'm no, not no, no, happy, I am. but I understand. But I am but, happy,
0: but, but I I am happy it. with it because I never expected him to go to the playoffs this year. If your expectations weren't it, the pirates are going out and winning it all. Then you're a bleacher bum idiot who doesn't understand baseball. If you looked at this roster and said to this year could be our year, I got to question. Your baseball intelligence. We said we wanted to see these guys get better. We said we wanted to see more wins than last year. We said we needed to take that one more step so you could compete in 24.
1: I'm ecstatic
0: over what they're doing right now.
1: But I'm Chris, Chris, Did They finish with 75 Chris, 76 Chris, wins. Chris, That's amazing. Chris, they started 20 and 8, which would be equal to 2 and 1 in an NFL season, oh, 13 and 7 on. in an NHL season. Chris, come on. Come on, they were twenty and eight. they should have traded for the 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 all- star starting shortstop because O'Neill Cruz went out. Come on, uh, that's what they should have done
0: and all you would be right now is you would have less flexibility, you would have given away a piece for nothing just to have a puncher's chance right now of making one of the final spots because guess what if you go out and get an all star shortstop, what are you going to get for the year? three or four wins above replacement you still fall short of the last wild card spot It wasn't <laughs> enough. It wasn't enough. Look, I'm not a a, a sabermetrician. I am not an ultra stats nerd. I love the beauty of the game. I understand that there is a a will to win, and I understand that some guys just have guts, and some guys have clutch, and some guys, you know, just are on, and some guys are off, and you get the weird bounce of the ball, and you cannot just make this into a math problem. I completely understand that, but guess what? There is a place for wins above replacement and understanding the value of a player to understand that, that one addition was not going to make up the eight or more wins you would need just to get into the postseason this year. So that's a stupid argument by somebody who just wants to discount things. Like, I understand that a baseball card used to only put on average, okay? You'd have runs, you'd have hits, you'd have RBIs, you'd have average. They used to not even put slugging on there. They put home runs on there. They didn't even put on slugging. Sometimes they put on doubles. Sometimes they forgot the triples. Like go look at an old baseball card. If you're still living in that world, because you don't want to admit that maybe they came up with a couple more stats that describe a player a little bit more or his worth to the team. That's your loss. But guess what? You're not a very knowledgeable baseball fan then. Okay. You think you are, but you're not. Okay. Yeah, you're not because you need to be able to you, these other things tell you a story and they and they, ta- and they tell the story over 162 games. It's like going to a game and fall in love with a player because he hit two home runs and not thinking about the fact that he only hit three for the whole season and 220 because at the game you saw him at. He was amazing and went three for four. So we got to keep that guy and buy his jersey. Let's be a little bit smarter about this. This this team did everything it was supposed to do. I said the pie in the sky expectation for 2023 was a 500 baseball team. Craig, a 500 baseball team was pie in the sky. They're only going to fall a few games off of that. This is an incredible season in 23. It is. It's an incredible season in which guys progressed and got better and where you're going to walk in the new offseason with payroll flexibility, and now you should expect the owner to add a little bit more money in, and your GM should be able to go and do work. Come on! If you're not... Seriously, I I can't explain it to all people, but it's ridiculous for anybody to be sitting around yelling about this season of Pirates baseball.
1: Yeah, and I feel like sometimes it's like having a conversation with my mom. Because I should say, I went to the game with my mom and the kids on Sunday. My mom's like the funniest person to watch a game with, because she goes... I like that Palacios guy. When he played against his brother, it was really fun. And I'm like, I, I don't know if he's going to be back next year. And my mom always asks, why? He's so nice. He, he talks to <laughs> And that's what it, it kind of reminds me of, like, talking to some of these people. It's just like, well, why wouldn't they do that? It'd be the smart thing to do. And I'd be like, well, mom, it's not going to really do that much. And it's just like the type of conversations that, I mean, I think people get. I, I, they would probably call us brainwashed into this that we're shows or whatever. Oh, come on. But but they're brainwashed.
0: If you think that we're a show, go look up the network that we're on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. Look up the other shows that we appear on and listen to when we go after people that do bad jobs with their sports franchises. Give me a break, Shills. We criticized this team like crazy a couple years ago. I've been all over all the mistakes that have happened on this team. You can't tell me that they haven't done a good job to set themselves up for next year. You know what? Here's the problem with Twitter. That kid that used to eat paste in kindergarten next to you? He's got an account too, Craig. (laughs) Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, one thing but then the next day.